Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull, your host. Thanks for joining us on one of the 42 stations on iTunes, on YouTube, and the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Well, today we've got a great show for you. We're going to talk about the industrial real estate market. You know, the industrial real estate market has really heated up from both users and tenants. Uh, investors are very hot on industrial, but we have some things going on in the market, don't we? We have a world economy that's changing before our eyes. We have the impact of uh, rising interest rates. Everybody assumes that interest rates are going to rise some at some point, right? So there's a lot of questions about uh, industrial, and there's a lot of opportunities out there. Well, let's start with Renee Sirk. He's Director of Research, CoStar Portfolio Strategies. Renee, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. And, of course, CoStar does a great job of, of uh researching and watching the commercial real estate market uh, throughout the U.S., and they, and they track industrial properties real well. So, Renee, where are we on property-level performance, uh, you know, kind of 2015 so far? It seems like the market's doing really well. Uh, well, I would say at least very well, if not exceptionally well. Uh, essentially, it's been quarter after quarter now where industrial is leading all the other property types in all the positive metrics, total demand, uh, occupancy improvements, rent growth, and now even actually sales volume as well. The only place where it's still lagging is on the supply side behind the apartment sector. But, you know, getting oversupplied is not necessarily a good thing. So, <laughs> right. so definitely uh, it's, it's a star. That's right. And what about rates? So rates are improving. Uh, what's the trend there? Well, it's, I would almost say, unprecedented. We are seeing extremely strong re- rent growth. Uh, for the first quarter, we are tracking nearly 6% uh, improvement on a year-over-year basis. Uh, the rent growth is actually stronger uh, for the smaller segment uh, of the market. With that one, is closer to 6. Uh, the, the larger logistics buildings are running about 5.1% year-over-year rent growth. Now, if you think about it, the long-term trend of those buildings is about 1% per year. So we are growing 5%, oh, sorry, five times stronger, faster than uh, what would be the norm. Well, that's amazing. So what's causing all this demand right now? Is it just the economy improving? Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, the, can- uh, the economy continues to do well, and uh, the fact that uh, it's doing well enough but not exceptionally well has uh, kept supply relatively in check. Uh, recently, I would say supply is coming back. But uh, for a while, it's been coming uh, back very, very slowly. And so really, if you look at the vacancy rates, because it's really the vacancy rates that drive uh, tenant options and lack of options, obviously, drives rent growth. Vacancy for the logistics buildings right now at about 8.2%. That's down about 20 bips for the the second quarter. And that is really, really approaching to uh, an all-time low. Uh, The lowest recorded numbers we track um, in the middle of the last, well, I guess it's two decades ago now, uh, in the middle of 1990s, that number was about 60 basis points below where we are today. On the light industrial side, we are sub-5%. These are just crazy good numbers. You will probably not see them again. <laughs> good times, right? And you said there's more demand than, uh, there's more growth in the rental rates for the smaller buildings. Tell us about that. Well, that I find extremely encouraging because the smaller buildings suffered during the recession disproportionately. The small econ- uh, economy b- companies 
really fell apart. And anything locally driven, housing driven, manufacturing driven got hit very hard. The recovery was very, very slow. But now we're actually tracking demand being stronger in that segment, which is, of course, helping drive rental rates as well. If you, if you look at the cumulative demand in the light industrial segment right now, uh, it is actually leading any other segment uh, of the market. So that's, that's really strong from the real estate perspective, but also I like that because that gives me comfort that the overall U.S. economy is doing pretty well. It's hard to have small business leasing space and the economy doing poorly. So I think it's a solid indicator for the economy as well. Right. And we're talking with Renee Sirk, Director of Research with CoStar Company, about the industrial market. And, and Renee, one of the things that we see in some of the markets where we work is the flex space, you know, the office warehouse space. doesn't seem to be doing as well as maybe the more traditional industrial spaces. What do you see out there? I think that's that's absolutely correct. I mean, that is by far the most volatile segment of the market, of the industrial market, and uh, it is the sort of first to go bad and last to recover, and we are starting to see some sign of life uh, in that segment, but it is, it is still significantly underperforming, and we are seeing it uh, in terms of lack of uh, investor demand for that segment as well. So I think, I think you know, when people are thinking about is the market getting overpriced, uh, I think uh, capital's pricing the mar- market pretty correctly. Okay. And one thing that a lot of people, or most everyone would like to see, is manufacturing you know, coming back to the U.S. for the jobs and helping our economy. You know, how much is onshoring really happening, and, and how much is that impacting the industrial market? You know, right now... I think the jury's still out on that. We have, without a doubt, we have seen some of it come back, some of manufacturing come back. We are still, cyclically speaking, we are still losing manufacturing jobs. Not necessarily production. Production never uh, uh, turned negative. It, it was the job issue uh, that, was, that, was, that was occurring. But uh, I would actually expect more of this, more of this pr- production coming back to Mexico, which will not necessarily drive demand for industrial space in the U.S. Uh, to a greater extent, but what it will do will drive the demand in industrial space a little bit elsewhere. If you think about China, China drives ports. If you think Mexico, Mexi- Mexico drives markets like Texas, like Atlanta. Right. And, and real estate is very local, and certainly industrial is too. So which markets around the U.S. Uh, are the numbers stand out to you, Renee, that maybe uh, they're doing better than others, or, or maybe not as well as they should? Um. That's, that's a good question. It, it varies whether you're looking at rents or whether you're looking at, at demand. If you're looking at rents, a lot of the, lot of the um, land constraint markets like you know, San Francisco, uh, San Jose, East Bay, which are, which are generally not traditional industrial markets, Orange County, all are showing the strongest strongest rent growth. Uh, one one uh, uh, funny anecdote is always Denver because of uh, the, the new industry there, it's really, really driving, yeah. driving that space. Now, in terms of... In terms of well, you know what they say? They say that market's really smoking. It's smoking hot, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> in terms of absorption, uh, it's still being concentrated mostly in the, in the, you know, the, the big box markets of Dallas, Chicago, Inland, Inland Empire, Atlanta. And I always like to point out the, the success that Detroit's been having. Uh, this is an ongoing story now for, for a couple of years. If you think about uh, car production, we are at 17.5 million uh, units uh, annualized. So Detroit's 
is is really becoming a, a star in and of itself, although capital is still not flowing there. Right. So there's not really any losing markets. There's no losers in this market. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, ironically enough, the things that concerns me the most is that there's nothing to concern me right now. <laughs> uh, and, and really, there, there are really no losers. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you did mention that new supply has, has kicked up. Uh, it seems like you're not suggesting that it, it worries you there's too much supply. Uh, but where are we on new construction, and how does that compare to historic levels? So there, that's definitely a story of two different subtypes. The logistics uh, property type, the big buildings, are back above their long-term uh, average. Uh, what we've actually done, we've looked at the average of just the growth year, so 2002 to 2007, and that's about 120 million square feet under construction at, a given, at any given point in time. We reached as much as 160 at the end of last year, and now we're running about 130, 140 underway. So there, without a doubt, we are back to relatively strong to strong performance, not as strong as the 190 million we saw just before the recession. All the shortfall that we are still seeing is in the light industrial segment, uh, which is just now starting to have replace, uh, trading at above replacement costs and rents at uh, levels justifying construction. So we do expect that to pick up next. Okay. And before we get through talking about performance level, so if I'm a tenant and I need space, I've got a requirement coming up, what's a quick tip for me in this market? Well, it really depends on your size. If you're in the 200,000 square foot range, uh, you better move fast. It is very, very tight. Uh, in the in the bigger boxes, it depends by market, uh, but ideally you probably want to have a building built there is not a lot of modern space uh, on the market. So definitely the, the pendulum has swung to the, to the um, owner's perspective. So I think speed, speed is key today. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'd add to that, start early, right? Uh, well, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the investment market, the industrial uh, investment market. It's been hot. There's been some great cap rate compression. That is, I guess, if you're a seller and not a buyer. So stay tuned. We'll have more from Renee Cert with CoStar. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. industrial market, and we're going to focus in on investment sales. And uh, we have Renee Sirk with us. He's with CoStar Portfolio Strategies. And Renee, it seems like in our shop in the southeast that uh, re- really seen volume pick up on all investment sales, but uh, industrial is really hot, isn't it? Absolutely. Very similarly to the fundamentals story, uh, industrial is essentially leading the way. Uh, if you look at the first half of this year versus the first half of last year, investment sales volume is up about 40% uh, for, for industrial overall. Uh, we are running at about $20 billion a quarter now, and essentially we are very close to 
doing in half a year what we used to do what we used to do in a year. I think the best year recorded that we have in 2007 was 60 billion. So we had 40 in you know half the year. So it is it is it is uh, unbelievable. That is amazing. And so are there a lot of large portfolio sales that are uh, helping this volume? Well, clearly. I mean, I think the biggest change that's occurred for industrial is that a lot of these institutions that were not in the game are coming into it, and they are buying up big portfolios. Obviously, uh, you know, Blackstone was was earlier. Uh, KTR just closed. Now IIT uh, is being uh, essentially finalized. So now we are talking of four, five, eight billion dollar portfolios, with uh, potentially some new investors coming into the market. And that is that is definitely driving that that volume. It will take a really long time, I think, you know, five million a piece light industrial buildings to to get to forty billion. Right. And how much of those smaller buildings are selling? Has demand picked up and volume picked up as well on some of these non-institutional uh, uh, deals? Well, it's sort of interesting. We have been as a shop recommending to our uh, to our clients to get into the light industrial game. And a lot of them have, and they have pushed pricing. And now pricing there is essentially back to all-time high levels as well. They're still not accounting for a huge percentage, as I mentioned, just because you take a lot of them. Uh, but, but without a doubt, the, the, interest, the interest is there. There's one more interesting nugget that I'm seeing, and that is this relatively lack of completion of new construction, and especially lack of completion by merchant developers, is leaving a lack of available for sale modern product space. If you look at buildings five years or younger in the last cycle, they accounted for about 25% of total sales. Today, they are, we are sub 10%, we are about 7% of total sales. So there's definitely a shortage of quality product to be to be available for, for purchase today. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know most of our listeners uh, realize that a merchant uh, builder developer is going to build a build and lease it and then immediately sell it. So there is a, a lack of, of supply for investors to get into. And naturally, that's going to compress cap rates, isn't it? So what are you seeing for cap rates out there this year? We've been calling for cap rates to remain as essentially at all-time lows. And our position on that has not changed. Uh, there's still room in the spreads spreads to treasuries are still still favorable, spreads to triple uh, B bonds are still favorable. So there's about a hundred basis points increase in, in interest rates, overall uh, economy interest rates that can easily be absorbed in the, in the cap rate. So in the foreseeable future this year, maybe even next, uh, we don't really expect cap rates to, to move up. Okay, so r- possible rising interest rates, you don't think it's going to have that much of an impact, say, in the next year maybe? The interest rates would have to increase very, very quickly. They would have to increase by 150 basis points over that period of time. Okay, and we're talking with Renee Sirk with CoStar about the industrial investment market. So so you've got cap rate com- compression. You've got a lot of demand. How much of this demand is from foreign investors? Definitely, it's definitely increasing. Um, historically speaking, for industrial, it was primarily German Investors that uh, that were they were buying uh, in, in the U.S. Now we are seeing uh, obviously the, the Norwegians, we are seeing, seeing Middle East, uh, we are seeing uh, Asian money coming into the sector. It's still not their first choice, if you will. They are still mostly plowing money into you know the gateway office markets, 
like San Francisco, like uh, New York. You know, uh, at our shop, we, we say that foreign capital does not take connecting flights. <laughs> and to get to industrial, you may have to change planes a couple of times. So it's, it's still not as hot as for the other property types. That's interesting. And when you're talking about foreign investors, it makes you think also about the worldwide economy. So how much uh, impact is what's going on around the world and in, in countries like Greece and things? How, how does that impact uh, industrial real estate properties in the U.S.? Well, on the investment side, it's definitely it's definitely helping. I mean, if you if you think about the interest rates, and we we I don't know whether we complain or celebrate that they are very low, depending I guess who you are, mm-hmm. uh, they are still actually relatively high compared to most of the world, and uh, even countries like Spain and Italy, which you would say you know a couple of years ago were on the brink of bankruptcy, uh, interest rates there are lower. So capital, without a doubt, is flowing into the U.S., the, uh, the Middle East is, is, is uh, flowing, uh, pushing money here. They just have too much of it, I guess. Uh, uh, Taiwan just announced that they are going to be allowing uh, some uh, capital uh, flowing to foreign real estate investment. So there, there is money flowing here, and some of it will make its way into, into industrial for sure. Right. And that's going to continue to put pressure on cap rates. So, Renee, can you give us some sample cap rates of what you're seeing on some of these uh, properties in some of these various markets? Well, I mean, the lowest numbers that we are seeing are sort of four handles. Uh, and now we are talking markets like, like East Bay and tenants like, um, let's say, Amazon. Um, you know, uh, Inland Empire is sort of in the, in the four, four handle. When you start moving a little bit more, a little bit more inland, uh, you, you know, you get to the fives. I, I would say the market that sort of concerns me the most in terms of pricing is actually Dallas, because Dallas today is pricing pretty much very comparably to California. And this is the first time we are seeing it. Now, today, also, rent growth is as strong in Dallas as in California, but this is also for, for the first time. And we do not expect that to be sustainable. That market is a lot easier to overbuild. And so we are starting to see some cap rates that are in some markets that are potentially uh, pushing the envelope. Uh, but uh, if you're going to buy a, prop- a quality product, I think, uh, you know, five these days is not an unreasonable number. Wow. And that's, uh, that's institutional quality uh, type properties, right, with long-term leases, because uh, as most of our listeners realize, the cap rates are going to be different for every building and every tenant around the country. But your expectation then is that even though interest rates may rise a little bit over the next year, that these cap rates will remain steady? Uh, what, what, do you, what would you tell clients so the, there? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true for, for, for logistics. Logistics, I think cap rates are pretty much as low as they are going to get. For light industrial, we are tracking cap rates probably averaging close to seven percentage points. Uh, so going in seven is not bad. I mean, the best product we've seen is maybe five and a half, but uh, sort of a national number average is about seven. So we do actually expect a further cap rate compression in the in the light industrial segment. Yeah. The very interesting story actually is that you would expect that since this capital is flowing, uh, the, the B markets are going to start to see more and more of it. And that was true last couple of years. And then in the last about 18 months, that actually pretty much stopped. And I'm, I'm actually attributing it to the story that I told initially, which is there isn't a lot of quality product to be bought. And so if I'm going to be buying B property, I'd rather buy it in A market. So that's still an interesting story to watch. I think there's still a possibility of further compression in B markets. Well, great information as usual, Renee. Thanks for joining us today. 
Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. We appreciate it. And if you'd like more information from CoStar, visit CoStar.com. Stay tuned with us. We're going to have a developer, a builder uh, who's big in industrial market, get his point of view on the market and what he's seen with active tenants. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the industrial real estate market. Please welcome my next guest. It's Larry Callahan. He's CEO of Patillo Industrial Real Estate. He's here in Studio One in Atlanta with us today. Larry, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, When you've been on the show before, it's always been informative, and uh, we certainly appreciate it, and our our listeners appreciate it around the country. And one of the things that we were talking about in an earlier uh, segment with Renee Costar is – you know, new supply. It seems like in the during the recession, uh, new supply levels uh, dwindled down, and now rates and occupancy is up. It sounds like it's the it's the the best days of industrial, right? So, how much building is going on now? How much specs going on? And are you guys building spec, right? We are indeed. Um, well, first of all, let me compliment uh, Renee Sirk on his segment because I think he painted a very fair picture of what's going on uh, in the market right now. Um, this downturn that happened, uh, most people remember it in 2008, 9, 10, um, almost nothing got built in, in many markets um, for quite some time. And everybody moved, uh, you know, cowboys that were in the real estate game kind of uh, pulled back and uh, everybody was cautious about building new things. Um, and they did it for a very smart reason, which was everything um, that you know people needed had was out there already, and there was a lot of empty space, and people were underutilizing their existing space. Well, that was then, mm-hmm. and and now, you know, the economy hasn't been growing at a tremendous rate, but uh, industrial buildings have been filling back up, just slow and steady, and then you reach a point where suddenly most everything is full, as, as Renee was saying you're looking at national vacancy rates that are approaching record levels in, in most markets. Well, you know, that's the formula <laughs> that says um, it's time to build. Rates have gotten back to a point where it starts justifying it. And what you've seen as far as building, you know, during even during the recession and for the last couple of years, what you were seeing was um, people were uh, building mostly very large mega buildings that were e-commerce oriented and they were getting built because they didn't exist. Right. But the core of the market did exist and people were in it. Now we're finally getting to the point where more average size buildings uh, are just starting to come out of the ground. And, and we are indeed doing that ourselves. And we and have- for, And for our listeners in uh, other segments and uh, what's average size in your industrial world? Well, uh, that's actually an interesting question. The, um, if you look at it in terms of what the overall market looks like, the average industrial building in most of the larger markets, uh, you know, one, I'll take Atlanta as an example because that's our home base, uh, but you know, it's a 45,000 square foot building, mm-hmm. you know, which is about the size of a football field. Mm-hmm. Most people can't picture what does 45,000 square feet look like, but it's about, you know, about the size of a football field. Well, the average building that's been built in the United States since about 2007, 2008, the average industrial building has been around 200,000 square feet. Right. So you take the average building that exists in the market, 
virtually nobody is building that size building anymore because the scale of business has just simply moved to a higher level. But when you look at what the average has been over the last five, six, seven years, it's more in that 200,000 range. But if you look at over the last couple of years, what's been built, you know, the, the, the buildings that um, have been making the news and everybody's been focused on have been 800,000, a million, a million two, and it's been accommodating people like uh, Amazon. In fact, uh, I saw a Wall Street Journal article recently where they said, you know, since the downturn, there have been something like 500 industrial buildings, large mega industrial buildings built in the United States, uh, and like 10 percent of them have been Amazon. <laughs> so it's been only a few companies that have been driving most of that, it's been Amazon, Home Depot, you know, some of the grocery store chains, you know, like Kroger redoing their distribution center, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, kind of bread and butter things, literally, uh, food distribution, uh, c consumer uh, products and things like that, and then e-commerce. And they've been all huge buildings, and, but there hasn't been a lot of building of 200,000 square foot buildings, uh, even though that's been the average, you know. Um, but it's, it just hasn't been um, a generally uh, supportive market until about now. Now the rates have gotten to the point where they justify the, the cost of new construction, and there's so little existing space available that now's the time. And I think, you know, we're building, and I think a lot of other people are building too. Right. And which markets do you think are opportunities for uh, for building right now? Well, our company uh, is actively pursuing uh, new markets right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of how are we doing that, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we're looking for places where the population is growing faster than 2%. And 2% may not seem like a big number, but, you know, the population of the United States grows at about seven-tenths of a percent per year. So when you're looking at the places that are growing at 2% a year, that may not be a big number, but it's significantly outperforming other places. And actually, it's not my job to figure out whether it's because there's jobs there that, you know, there are people, or because there's people there, jobs come. But we find those places, and that's where we're going. That's great. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the industrial real estate market in the U.S. with Larry Callahan with Patillo. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm the host, Michael Bull. Today, we're talking about the industrial real estate market. We have Larry Callahan with us with Patillo. And Larry, what is the characteristics of a good location? If I'm an, an investor in the industrial market, or, or I'm a tenant, or I'm a developer, builder, you know, what, what, what is a good industrial site? One of the things we look for, we're looking at ports of all sorts, <laughs> you know, uh, places where uh, goods are coming and going in great volumes and they're uh, maybe not just serving the, the population that's in that area, but serving other folks. I mean, that's why ports have always been an important location. When we think of ports, first of all, we think of the seaports. And, you know, the reason those have always been important to commerce is because still the most uh, efficient and inexpensive way to move large volumes of goods long distances 
is by boat. Yeah, I've told my wife I need a new boat because need, of that. I'm, I'm going to give her that reason. Exactly. Whatever reason you have to come up with, you know, to get the new boat. You that's know? right. <laughs> that's what you got to do. Um, but, you know, so the, so the ports uh, have increased in, in activity as the world has become more international and as, you know, the, the, the rest of the world has risen and doing more and more commerce with, uh, with the United States. So, um, you know, uh, ports uh, are one of the places that you start looking at. And then you look at uh, inland ports because there's only so much room at the port itself. And ports are also susceptible to... Um, you know, things like hurricanes and things like that. So there are reasons to go ahead and move goods and, and to distribute goods from uh, someplace other than actually sitting right there at the port. Some people will make the calculation that, you know, the best thing to do is right there, and some of them make the calculation the best thing to do is move inland. Um, and, and there are more and more of these inland ports that are being uh, set up and established. Uh, and, and tell our listeners, you know, we know what a what a seaport is. We know what an airport is. What is exactly an inland port? Well, it's it's really a place. Um, you know, primarily it's rail. Um, they're moving uh, goods that come in at the um, at the ports on in containers. You know, these the, the what looks like the back of a truck. You know, that's what they stack on these big ocean liners, and they can stack thousands of them on those ocean liners. And they pick them up and put them on the back of a truck and drive them down your highway and there's only so much room on the highway and how many of us want more of those trucks on the highway or they can put them on the back of trains and uh, and trains use less energy and they don't get out on your road and they take them to an inland location and basically it's a place where they are uh, taking those off and then either moving them into trucks at that point or moving them pretty quickly to a warehouse that might be close by that inland port. And how are logistics changing today because of the quick delivery that all us consumers now, we're, we want everything now. So right. what's that doing to industrial market and logistics? Well, it, it's changing. It's actually changing the industrial market. And those of you that are not, you know, industrial oriented, if you're retail oriented and everybody buys things through retail, uh, you're seeing a transformation there. And it's pretty darn significant. So um, everybody wants things quickly, and, you know, the way you used to get something quickly was, you know, you got in your car and you drove down to the store and you bought it. Uh, now think about it. it at, at 10 o'clock at night, if you want something, you go sit down at your computer for a few minutes and click a couple of times, and you'd really like for it to be there right now. It'd be pretty good if it arrived the next day. It's a little less good if it takes two or three days before it shows up. Uh, because sometimes it's like a birthday gift for somebody that you forgot about till the last second, you know. <laughs> so there's many, many reasons why the world is trying to get to same-day delivery or next-day delivery. And that is going to affect uh, real estate, and um, it already is. Um, you see all these e-commerce. All that e-commerce is what used to be retail activity now happening inside an industrial building. And the rent in the industrial building is significantly less than what the rents were at the mall. So those same goods are going through a channel that is less expensive and you know the consumer ultimately gets the benefit of it. So we think that's going to continue to happen, but another trend that I think is everybody's keeping their eyes on is when you first move to e-commerce and you're trying to distribute to a large region and you're okay with getting it there in a couple of days, then very large buildings works very well. But if people really move more and more to wanting to get it the next day or even the same day, you're going to have to have more smaller buildings everywhere there's people. 
And that is one of the trends that I think is going to play out over time. And it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of people in retail now that are talking omni-channel distribution, uh, which means they may have an e-commerce um, online way of selling their products, but they also have a store. And then they have to figure out what is the best way to get something to somebody. If they click on um, a product that they want and they want to purchase it, should it come from the distribution building in Dallas or Chicago? Or should it come from the local store that's two minutes away from them and somebody with a delivery truck picks it up there and delivers it over to their house? And what size buildings would these would that range be? And how close to, say, the city would they be or would they be in it? Well, there's a premium for coming closer to the city. Uh, a, a trend that you know we've seen a couple of times now, and I think it will continue, is um, what used to be uh, retail space, whether it's a large strip center or even a mall, getting knocked down in order to put up an industrial building. And that industrial building is now close to the city and very well suited to do e-commerce. Yeah, and I think more municipalities should consider that. I know some municipalities think, oh, we, we want it to be retail again. And in some cases, it's just not going to be, is it? Right, right. And, and that's a good alternative. So it is retail. It's just in an industrial box. Right. It's exactly right. And, and Are those buildings really sophisticated with all that, that the smaller products going, going out all the time? Yeah, I, I wish everybody could have the opportunity to go inside of one. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of these things on television where they'll show you what the inside of a Walmart's like or something. Mm-hmm. But you go in these uh, e-commerce buildings, and it is a beehive of activity, and it's automated. That's great. Well, we'll take you more inside the world of industrial real estate and an investment market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about industrial real estate. My guest is Larry Callahan. He's with Patillo. And uh, Larry, I think one of the big questions uh, our listeners have uh, for all of us in the industry is where are we you know, in the cycle? It seems like uh, we're a little long in a tooth in this cycle and the t- good times are obviously here in industrial real estate. How long is it going to last? Well, I, I'm optimistic about it. And there are people that uh, have been in this business for a long time and anytime you get into the good times, their immediate reaction is, oh my gosh, it's about to drop because it's, you know, anytime it's good times, they don't last for long. Mm-hmm. Well. I actually think we've built up um, through a very slow recovery, and we've built a very solid base. Uh, We've got uh, good uh, demand that's starting to come from a broad segment, not just e-commerce. We're starting to see just the the organic growth of industrial needs to serve the population of the country. Um, So I feel like this could go for a long time. Now, every market's different. And Uh, One of the characteristics of this recovery was that we didn't have a huge drop uh, in 2008. Well, we did have a huge drop, but we didn't have an immediate recovery. And that has been a characteristic of, you know, some recessions. This one was a huge drop and then a long, slow slog (laughs) to come back. Well, as painful as that was and as frustrating as it was in the early days, when you get to this point, I think you can look around and say, we've got a pretty solid base to grow from. 
recessions are about misallocation of resources, and we haven't overbuilt. This hasn't been an, uh, a, this wasn't caused by you know the commercial real estate industry over overbuilding. Uh, that was not what caused this downturn. There was a lot of residential issues, a lot of banking issues, a lot of you know those type things. But it wasn't the commercial real estate market overbuilding, and we haven't been building much at all for years. If you look at how much has been built relative to the size of the existing markets, there were a lot of places that weren't building even 1% increase in their supply. In fact, they were building significantly less than 1% increases in their supply for three, four, five years in a row. Now we're starting to build for the first time, and we're building things that the market is asking for. So I feel real good about the fact that, that this recovery, if everybody, I call it, stays under control, doesn't get out over their skis and you know doesn't build too much of the same stuff what is being built now is product that the market is demanding uh, we're building speculative buildings and we've we've built some speculative buildings uh, recently that before we got them finished we moved them we got another one right now that we're working on that you know we're just finishing up about to put the landscaping in and while we're doing that we're actively negotiating a lease to move somebody in so you know, it's not a market where we're getting wildly ahead of ourselves. And, you know, if this economy continues to trudge along, it may not be the most spectacular growth rates that we've ever seen. But that actually is pretty good for real estate if we just supply about as much as the demand is. Hmm. This could keep going for quite some time. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the slow economic recovery in a lot of ways has been good for commercial real estate in general because of the lack of, of new supply and, uh, and just and kind of staying under check. So so the guys that were on the panel with you uh, a few weeks ago said two years. Uh, you're saying the good times are going to last longer than that. Yeah, oh, I think so. I mean, it's easy to say, uh, and it's actually become a lot of people said uh, – you know, we've, we've got a couple of years to go in this run, you know, get, get your deals done quickly. Mm-hmm. I like people operating with a sense of urgency, yeah. but you know, I don't think it's because I think we're about to fall off a cliff. You know, there's no compelling reason I can think of if we continue to move along. We are one of the most appealing places in the world. Mm-hmm. There's money that is working very hard to get reinvested in the United States. Uh, and I feel very good about, about our future. Um, and and the opportunities we're going to have to perform well for years to come. Well, I feel good now, too. Now I think I'm going to do the Snoopy dance uh, to end the show. I feel a little <laughs> much better. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. Larry, yeah, as a general rule, it's better in this business to be optimistic and happy. That's right. Yeah. Larry, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here in Studio One. Glad to join you. And thanks for joining us out there on, on all the radio stations and YouTube. Join us next week. We'll have successful environmental strategies to make some money there. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll see you next week. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnext, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnext.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.